You're listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your hosts, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about Lent through the eyes of RCIA. We hear a reflection on St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and we hear a poem by Ben Johnson, Hear Me, O God, read by Meredith Spaulding. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me as always, Father Steve. How are you doing, Father? I'm doing well. It's yeah, a good, it's, it's good. Uh, it's, we're in a good part of the year, I think, where spring is starting to... No, we're, we're getting longer days, and uh, we've, we've been having, as we always talk about the weather, mm-hmm. unseasonably warm weather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like 52 yesterday, although it was really rainy, so I didn't yeah. really feel like it. But uh, we, yeah, we're... Getting a little tease of of spring, and uh, that means Lent is coming. Yeah, Lent. Uh, at once and the same time, the season that people dread and that people, I think, often look forward to. That's absolutely right. We know. We yeah. know we need more discipline, more yeah. penance. We know that. So It's almost and, like a relief. Like, oh, okay, I can yeah, lay yeah, down yeah, these worldly right. things that I... And, and I do think, you know... Not that I want this conversation to be about devices, but uh, I do think that we actually uh, are more distracted now than any other time Mm, that humanity has lived. And so for us to pull back, to pair pair back, is more important than ever. Yeah, I've been actually talking about this in spiritual direction, is the distractions of Mm. my life that... Maybe it's only two minutes here, five minutes there, 15 minutes there, but you add it up over the day and then you say, well, I I can't find time to pray. Well, yeah, you spent two and a half hours doing this and that and, you know, all combined together. Um, And so really trying to like focus and, and, and uh, the day and, and root out the meaningless things that we just kind of buy. Well, and, and I think that's a, that's a challenge for us who do uh, keyboard work, yeah. intellectual work. It's not the same as sitting at, even at the typewriter or t- sitting at the desk to write. It, there's a sense in which that's a mechanical thing. And in times past, people would work out in the fields or at labora. It was physical labor. You had this task that needed to be done. Now we have to kind of fill the day. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? I could choose to do nothing. <laughs> or I could do something. Mm-hmm. Or I could do many other things. Uh, and so I, I, th- I think we do, do need to be more focused and uh, more uh, intentional and uh, be uh, to kind of create that space. Sure. So we've talked about Lent before. We've talked about things like fasting and prayer before. And so we don't want to rehash kind of the same <clears throat> topics that we usually would uh, cover for uh, the season of Lent. So we thought it might be an interesting um Experiment to just discuss a bit the um, the path that our uh, brothers and sisters going through the catechumenate right now uh, will be going through during Lent because I, I think that that's I think that's a that's a great thing to share with other people. I just 
talk a little bit about RCIA, period. Yeah. We've talked about it here or there, but if people haven't joined us in a while or, or they've not hear, heard us talk about it, maybe just share about Okay. That. So RCIA is a process um, that is designed to help the person gradually come to know Jesus Christ to build familiarity with him and ultimately intimacy with him. Um, first off, uh, you know, especially uh, I find in uh, as we go on, more and more people arrive to RCIA not completely ignorant of the Catholic faith because there's so much uh, in the way of internet resources that people right. can kind of, or books or things like that. Um, and so a lot of times when people show up, they've already got kind of a, a general familiarity with uh, who Jesus is. But sometimes people will come and they just, they've met their coworker or they met their spouse and this person has something that they want. And so the first part of RCA is just um, going through the creed, just kind of proclaiming those essential things that maybe we all take for granted, that God created the world, the history of Israel, Jesus's teachings, et cetera. And by the end of that kind of period, um, the person is, is ready, their heart is kind of being stirred, they're ready to kind of enter more deeply into a relationship with Christ. And so we have the right of acceptance. And so uh, people may remember uh, a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, uh, we had some people come up in front of the of the whole congregation and kind of make their declaration that they desired faith and they desired entrance into the community. And we committed to assist them with yes, our prayers exactly. and our witness. So that means that they then become... Uh, what are called catechumens. And catechumens spend their time going more deeply into the specifics of the Catholic faith. So we talk about the sacraments. We talk about prayer. We talk about the role of Our Lady. We talk about Catholic morality. And as you can imagine, morality is always the the topic that the discussions become more lively um, right. because everybody's interested in sin and, and, uh, and what is kind of required of them to live a good life. And so... Um, this is a really, uh, this is a time when the faith is really becoming more and more concrete and their desires becoming more and more finalized. Um, and that ends with uh, the beginning of Lent. So the first Sunday of Lent is uh, the rite of election. So that's with Bishop Boyer um, at the cathedral or another parish. This year it'll be at uh, St. Gerard's Parish. Mm-hmm. And really kind of the idea just in general of Lent way back in the early church started because of the catechumens. It was the last period of preparation that they had uh, in preparation for the Easter sacraments. And so it was a time of more spiritual um, preparation, uh, kind of a stripping away of worldly desire to focus more on Christ. And then over time, the whole church adopted this as a kind of representation of our own baptismal journey. And so Interesting. Lent is this time where they take all that they've learned, kind of the instructional period ends, and then we enter more into meditation on the gospel, um, maybe some reflection on questions that are still lingering, um, but mostly it's a time of synthesis and uh, spiritual preparation. And then there's the Easter sacraments, and then we meet for a period of uh, about six weeks, seven weeks after that uh, for a period of mystagogy. 
A mystagogy means kind of a reflection on the mysteries that they received. And so we take one week uh, at a time and we go through the different symbols and signs of the Easter Vigil Liturgy. So we talk about the bonfire and the candle and the, and the experience of the whole church being lit up by all the different candles. And we reflect on that and what was the experience of that and what do they... What did they learn from that? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and on and so on and so forth. Water, um, oil, uh, the, the word, et cetera. So that's kind of the process. But um, when I was, before we pressed uh, play uh, uh, with, uh, with you today, I was reflecting that the process that they go through very much mimics the old uh, rite of baptism. That's fascinating. So you start actually outside the church, and there are some initial um, ceremonies that happen outside the body of the church, and there's a, a blessed uh, food. Reception of salt. salt. Yeah. Uh, some, some exorcisms, blessings. Yeah, just a couple of exorcisms yeah. outside, and then the, then the salt. And so... Then they, uh, the whole, the, the family uh, with the baby, the godparents, they process in the church uh, saying the creed. That's right. And then once you get to, up to the altar, uh, the... Uh, our father. The, our father. Uh, the priest's garment changes from purple to white. Um, then there's another exorcism, I think. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then you go to the baptismal font and... The, the, like the questions that are asked of, of the godfathers, what do you desire? And the answer is faith. And there's kind of this uh, welcoming. And then then uh, we, we profess the creed, and then there is a recommitment spoken on, the, on behalf of the child uh, by the godfather, uh, the creedal statement of the um, Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. So, and then renouncing Satan and all his works and all his empty show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the RCIA process... We have this. Um, we have this instance where they're outside the church. The rite of acceptance is they're kind of entering into the church. There's some initial exorcisms and blessings, um, and then throughout the period of Lent, this is where everything becomes very intense. There are meditations on the Word, uh, but uh, primarily at, at uh, some weekday masses, we give them the creed. At another mass, we give them the Lord's Prayer, and that's that's tied with the scrutinies, right? Uh, well, the or, scrutinies are a separate thing okay. that happen on Sunday mass, and so, but yes, they they're supposed. I to, just do what you tell me to do. Right? <laughs> that's fine. You got enough on your on your mind, um, but uh, the scrutinies then are the church scrutinizing the person um, to um, confirm their faith. Uh, to confirm their desire. And so it's just like asking the Godfather, you know, what do you want? What do you believe? The church is ascertaining from the person, do you have faith? Because faith is the requirement for baptism. If the person doesn't have uh, faith, the baptism is invalid. And so that there's this ascertain, uh, ascertaining of faith. That would be one who has reached the age of uh, yes. reason. Mm-hmm. So we can baptize children. In the faith of the parents. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so really this whole process that the, the child goes through in a matter of half an hour 
Yeah, is kind even of, less than that, really. Yeah, yeah. fifteen minutes probably. 15 Depends 20. on who the the, the priest is. <laughs> there, there's, there's no. I mean, you can preach, but there's no yeah. there's no liturgy of the word there. So that's the interesting addition of the new baptismal. Yeah, there's rite. more there's, kind of scriptural mm-hmm. uh, content. Um, so our uh, friends who are going through the catechumenate right now are about to enter into this final, more intense stage in which they're going to go and meet with the bishop. And the bishop is going to accept them uh, into the ranks of the church. Um, so they'll no longer be called catechumens. They'll be, they'll called, be called, the called the elect. And the candidates who have already been baptized will still be called will still the be candidates. Called. <laughs> well, and, and this is the point that I try to make with the class, is that, you know, hey, candidates, if you feel like you're being left behind, you're not. The you're already po- with us. The point is, you're with us. You have been given baptism, and that's a that's a uh, significant thing. We don't want to try to imitate that and send the message that you're missing something because yeah. you're not. You're just missing the confession of the of the Catholic faith. But these people are about to go through this final stage of purification, and so um, you know their own personal prayer and penance, but the rites of the church in which. We're going to scrutinize them to see if they've um, really accepted the Lord. Uh, we're going to offer them the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to offer them uh, the Creed. Uh, and then finally, they're going to come to Holy Week, uh, in which um, really they enter into the liturgy of the church and into all the rites of, um, in one sense, the rites of the, the um, Last Supper, um, the passion. And let's, let's just be clear. That probably everybody knows this, but I just want to make sure that there's no confusion. The right that we're talking about is R-I-T-E, oh, yeah. not R-I-G-H-T. Right? Yeah. So the, these various rituals slash rites. So. Yeah, that's a good clarification. Uh, so as they go into Holy Week, in one sense, the the liturgies of the Holy, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter is... is being lived out in their very own lives. Um, because as St. Paul says, do you not know that you who were baptized uh, were crucified in Christ and yeah, have were, risen in yeah, him? Yeah, baptized into his death. Exactly. That's right. And so what they're experiencing in the liturgy of the Mass is a, is a true uh, enter, entrance into the passion of Christ and then a resurrection with him on Easter Sunday. Yeah. So this would be a time where we as a community really kind of spiritually gather around them and in one sense offer our own lens for them because this is something that, of course, the sa- Satan does not want. Um, and there's a, there's a spiritual battle going within them and, and those around them. So I, I, th- I think I'm, this is very informative. And honestly, uh, your explication of... RCIA exceeded what I received in seminary, frankly. So the fact is, you you, uh, you learn about the triduum and things like that, but we didn't have an elaborate uh, explication of, of the right, really, which is rights of Christian initiation of adults, right? Yeah. It's, it's one collective right that has many smaller rights within it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think for us to journey with those who will... Uh, right now are catechumens and candidates, and soon will be, after the first Sunday of, of Lent, elect and candidates. But also to uh, enter into this holy season of preparation, 
not just for them, but for them too, but for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in the book that, that we, uh, one of the books we gave away at Christmas, um, Restoration of Christian Culture, there's a chapter in there about the rule, the rule of St. Benedict. And, and uh, I'm not inviting any of us to follow the rule that he, as he wrote it, but to have every day, but especially during Lent, kind of rule for our days. Mm-hmm. How are we going to organize the day so that we can carve out time? You and I were talking about uh, the, the fact that it's hard to, to get that concentrated time. And I know that many of our listeners might have young families, and you do what you can. But for those of us who are uh, not uh, having to juggle four or five children or even two or even one uh, young newborn, uh, what would the Lord be inviting us to do in order to enter in well to this holy season. Yeah, it really takes some planning and some thought. Um, you can't just fall into Lent and have a good Lent. Yeah, you have to you have to have a plan um, that is reasonable. I mean, I've definitely had Lents where I was going to become Saint Richard the First all in one Lent, and well, and, and, and there's one that's very happy about that. That's that'll be Satan. Yeah, because I'm going to remake myself totally. And then I give up and I throw in the towel. And uh, that doesn't mean that you can't have an ambitious Lent, but just don't think that you can do it on your own. Lent is not about us earning salvation, but about cooperating with the Lord to fulfill his will. So what other people are giving up isn't necessarily what you ought to give up. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us could pray as we think about uh, the beginning of, of the holy season of Lent. Uh, what is the Lord inviting us to get freer from in terms of things that are distractions to us? That might be food. There's going to be some element of abstinence anyway, but also fasting on um, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. But there may be other things that are uh, they're almost pacifiers for us that I think the Lord would want to, to have us give up and then to take up those disciplines of, of more time in prayer or in service mm-hmm. uh, to the, to others and yeah, almsgiving. It, in one sense, the whole of the spiritual life is setting aside the worldly things that own our heart and and re-giving that uh, space to the Lord. So Absolutely. Lent is just kind of a time to remind us that that's really the whole of the spiritual life. That's right. So I mean, we're, we're always doing that, right? So we did it at, at uh, in Advent, mm-hmm. all right? That beginning of... Preparing our hearts, creating space for the uh, the little baby to come in, and then to grow up in uh, in us. And uh, so, I think Lent is a, uh, I think, as you said at the start of the podcast, a welcome uh, chance to begin again. Yeah, and just as a kind of a re kind of reflection, like the whole point of Lent is your baptism. It's a going back for each individual to the time of their own baptism. Because I think we can kind of sometimes overlook the immensity of what baptism is. Right. I mean, we became not merely human any longer uh, at our baptism. We That's took right. on a divine nature um, and we're, we were adopted as sons and daughters of God. And so Lent is really that time to remember your dignity as a baptized son or daughter um, and to prepare yourself once again for that Easter uh, sprinkling with water uh, uh, as a reminder of your baptism. And we, we fast and then we feast. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. So I think that's good for this week. Um, any last kind of encouragement? Well, I, I want to encourage everyone to uh, uh, 
ask the Lord uh, in prayerfulness uh, what he's inviting you to do for Lent and uh, to challenge yourself, but not to be overly uh, optimistic about what's possible. Do it with sustaining grace. I think it's it's probably good to tell someone what you're going to do, not as a bragging way, but as a sense of accountability Mm -hmm. that I'm committing to do this. Uh, Again, it isn't a competition, but it really is. We need to help each other on this journey uh, to spend more time in prayer, in giving, in almsgiving, and fasting. Yeah, spiritual direction or spiritual friendship with somebody that you can trust is Mm -hmm. always a help in the spiritual life. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, for another week, this is Rich. And uh, with prayers for a blessed Lent, this is Father Steve. God bless. St. Bernard of Clairvaux is a doctor of the church and was an important figure in the revival of monastic life in the Middle Ages. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we explore the wisdom of St. Bernard and touch upon his deeply insightful sermons on the Song of Songs. St. Bernard of Clairvaux St. Bernard of Clairvaux was a 12th century monk who was made a doctor of the church by Pope Pius XIII in 1830. He was the first Cistercian placed on the calendar of saints and was canonised by Pope Alexander III in the year 1174. Bernard was of noble birth and had a great taste for literature and devoted himself for some time to poetry. His success in his studies won the admiration of his teachers. He wanted to excel in literature in order to take up the study of the Bible. He had a special devotion to the Virgin Mary, and he later wrote several works about the Queen of Heaven. Although his parents had high hopes that he could do well for himself in the world because of his intelligence and gracious manner, he left the life that had been planned for him and joined the Cistercian Order and founded the monastery at Citeaux in France. About 30 of his friends and relatives also joined the Order at the same time, leaving only one of his brothers to look after their father in his old age. That brother, Nivar, upbraided Bernard, saying, You leave me earth and keep heaven for yourselves. Do you call that fair? And he joined the order too. When he was just 25 years old, Bernard founded the Cistercian Monastery at Clairvaux. Bernard's sister was the only one left. She was married and loved to live a life devoted to pleasure. She came to visit Bernard at the monastery and he refused to speak to her. Eventually he relented and came out to talk to her, not as her blood brother, but as a minister of God. His words were so eloquent that she repented of her worldly ways and with her husband's permission, two years later, she retired to a convent and at the end of her life had a reputation for sanctity. Bernard's father, too, in his old age, also joined the same monastery at Citeaux. This somewhat unusual scenario of a whole family leaving the world and joining religious life, as well as a large number of his friends, speaks volumes about how persuasive Bernard was. 
Bernard was devoted to his brother Gérard, who was a monk in the same monastery. They both shared not only a blood relationship, but a common experience of the love of God and a desire for holiness above all other things. When his brother died, Bernard felt the loss deeply. He was to write, Both of us were so happy in each other's company, sharing the same experiences, talking together about them. Now my share of these delights has ceased and you have passed on. You have traded them for an immense reward. He who shouldered every burden that I might be free. It was only right that I should depend entirely on him. He was all in all to me. I could not but feel secure with a man who enabled me to enjoy the delights of divine love, to preach with greater facility, to pray without anxiety. Through you, my dear brother, I enjoyed a peaceful mind and a welcome peace. My preaching was more effective, my prayer more fruitful, my study more regular, my love more fervent. Oh, if I could only die at once and follow you. Flow on, flow on, my tears, so long on the point of brimming over. Flow on, for he who damned up your exit is here no longer. Throughout his life, Bernard was involved in refuting the errors of the heretics of his day and was sent by the Pope to preach the Second Crusade. That crusade turned out to be a failure and most of it was blamed on Bernard. In his later years, he retired to the monastery again to write many of the works for which he was later named Doctor of the Church. Among his writings were 86 sermons on the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs is a romantic poem set as a kind of loving conversation between a woman and her beloved. Many see in it parallels to Christ's love for his bride, the Church, and yet you could be forgiven for thinking that it was an odd subject for a monk to be writing about. The Song of Songs begins with the phrase, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. In his first few sermons, Bernard says that in fact there are three different kisses that the soul gives to Jesus, who is the Beloved. The first kiss is the kissing of the feet, which is the act of the abject sinner who doesn't even dare to look upon the Lord, but is remorseful and mindful of the sin in his or her life and comes to the Lord to do penance. The second kiss is the kiss of the hand. This is the grateful kiss of a beneficiary who is full of gratitude for the generosity of Jesus, who, out of his self-emptying love, comes to save us even though we deserve condemnation for our sins. Then it is only after these two kisses, says Bernard, that we can aspire to the intimate kiss of the mouth. This is the kiss of union, the kiss that all of us long for, the kiss that completes our ultimate fulfilment in relationship with Jesus. Bernard says of this third kiss, once you have had this twofold experience of God's benevolence in these two kisses, you need no longer feel abashed in aspiring to a holier intimacy. Growth in grace brings expansion of confidence. You will love with greater ardour and knock on the door with greater assurance in order to gain what you perceive to be still wanting in you. 
The one who knocks will always have the door open to him. It is my belief that to a person so disposed, God will not refuse that most intimate kiss of all, a mystery of supreme generosity and ineffable sweetness. In Dr. Ralph Martin's book, The Fulfillment of All Desire, he refers many times to the writings of St. Bernard, particularly to his sermon on the Song of Songs. The three kisses Bernard describes correspond to the three stages outlined by the doctors of the church, such as Teresa of Avila, Catherine of Siena, and John of the Cross. The purgative way, the illuminative way, and the unitive way describe the three stages of progression from setting out on the path to holiness through a process of purification, passing into a phase of enlightenment in which we experience the sweetness of the Lord's presence constantly in our spiritual life, through the final stage of complete union with the Lord. St. Bernard's writings also convey to us his personality. The sermons are addressed to his fellow monks, and reveal him to be a gentle, wise, and loving guide through the labyrinth of the spiritual life. In these writings, he is not afraid to tell us of his own weakness and struggles, but at the same time encourages us to persevere and move forward into increasing intimacy with the Lord. The heartening truth that emerges from his writings is that there is a life beyond this world, and that that is our ultimate destiny. We were made for heaven, and it is entirely within our grasp if we surrender to the Lord's love and give everything to him. In fact, complete union with the Lord has always been the goal of human existence, and we learn from Bernard's words of wisdom that God desires that union for all his children, even here and now during our lifetime. Bernard died at the age of 63 after 40 years as a monk. He had a huge influence on the renewal of the monastic tradition, especially in the flourishing of the Cistercian order. St. Bernard of Clairvaux, pray for us. Amen. We finish this episode with a poem by Ben Johnson, Hear Me, O God. Read by Meredith Spalding. Ben Johnson was a late 16th, early 17th century English playwright and poet whose artistry exerted a lasting influence upon English poetry and stage comedy. He popularized the comedy of humors. He is best known for the satirical plays and for his lyric and epigrammatic poetry. He is generally regarded as the second most important English dramatist after William Shakespeare during the reign of James I. Johnson was a classically educated, well-read, and cultured man of the English Renaissance. He had a Protestant educational background, but nevertheless maintained an interest in Catholic doctrine throughout his adult life and at a particularly perilous time while a religious war with Spain was widely expected and persecution of Catholics was intensifying, he converted to Catholicism. Although he later converted back to the Church of England for political reasons, his interest in Catholic belief and practice remained with him until his death. 
Johnson's poetry, like his drama, is informed by his classical learning. He largely avoided the debates about rhyme and meter that had consumed Elizabethan classicists and used rhyme and meter to mimic the classical qualities of simplicity, restraint, and precision. The following poem, entitled Hear Me, O God, reminds us of Psalm 51, a humble, contrite heart you will not spurn, and also John Donne's holy sonnet, Batter My Heart, Three-Person God, since the poem encourages God to correct our wayward behavior and sin. Sin seems so sweet at the time when we commit it, but brings with it its own punishment. So therefore, the poet asks God to stop him from sinning, even if he has to use force. Hear me, O God, by Ben Johnson. Hear me, O God. A broken heart is my best part. You still thy rod that I may prove therein thy love. If thou hast not been stern to me, but left me free, I had forgot myself and thee. For sins so sweet as minds ill-bent rarely repent until they meet their punishment. Who more can crave than thou hast done that gavest a son to free a slave, first made of naught with all sins bought? Sin, death, and hell, his glorious name, quite overcame, yet I rebel and slight the same. But I'll come in before my loss, me farther toss, as sure to win under his cross. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelansing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelansing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.